Pace Line is produced by the Cycling Independent with the support of subscribers like you and additional underwriting from Shimano North America. We are community-focused, community-supported, and dedicated to the whole of cycling. Always remember, at the Cycling Independent, if you ride bikes, you're one of us. From the Cycling Independent, this is The Pace Line, the podcast on two wheels. I'm Patrick Brady, and with me is my co-host, John Lewis. Each week, we take a look at how cycling fits in our lives. Um, how you doing, buddy? Uh, well, you were sick last week. Maybe you're still sick. I got sick this week. Uh, we're both sick. My children... When my children brought it home, it was not the the, the it was not the ick du jour. It was uh, some other thing. As it turns out, if you wear a mask for a couple of years uh, and you don't get sick, uh, when you take the mask off, you are susceptible to all the stuff again. So, uh, yeah. roughly six weeks after my kids stopped wearing masks at school, uh, we're all sick. Yeah, but. I'm feeling mm-hmm. better now, you know, like four four days of uh, dead on my feet. But I'm I'm I think I'm I might ride a bike tomorrow, mm. which is the day this podcast when by the time people are listening to this, I hope to have ridden a bike again. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not ready to ride. I am improving. I did get a negative test uh, Monday afternoon. So we are you know, things are trending, as they like to say. Uh, yes. Yeah. I um mm-hmm. I'm so glad that I don't live in LA anymore. This is not a, a knock against LA for any cultural reasons. When I first moved there in 1996, you know, LA, melting pot, you know, LAX, lots of people from all over the world. I got sick like once a month for a year and a half. Uh it was it was crazy. If it came through LA, I got it cytomegalovirus, all sorts of things, man. Um, it was, yeah. And so now that I'm in a much smaller community, there's a lot less coming through here and I am. Oh, so grateful. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Two weeks of this now. Um, yeah. So, uh, well let's, uh, I don't know, maybe do a podcast. Yeah. Let's talk about bikes. Um, this week I'm talking about regrets (laughs) (laughs) regrets now that i'm saying that out loud it strikes me like maybe that's not the hook you want to set at the beginning of the podcast (laughs) anyway all right so i had a piece on the site yesterday it's yesterday by the time people are are uh hearing these words uh titled no regrets it's a thing i wrote about a really hard ride. It was really hard for me, I should say, uh, that I did last year on the first hot day of summer. Uh, Quick synopsis, the ride was very difficult, but I'm glad I did it. (laughs) By all means, give it a read, though. There's details. It's fun. Um, Anyway, I was just thinking about how regret weaves its way into my cycling story. And, uh, of course, remembering the opening lines of the Butthole Surfers classic, Sweet Loaf, where a father says to his son, The funny thing about regret, son, 
is it's better to regret something you have done than to regret something you haven't done. Mm, Yep. And then he says, by the way, if you see your mother this weekend, be sure and tell her Satan, Satan, Satan. And then the song starts. Uh, It's really a classic. Um, (laughs) (laughs) I highly recommend you seek this song out if you don't know it. It's a riff literally on the Black Sabbath track Sweet Leaf, which is, of course, a great song. But that's all a digression. Uh, The whole notion of regretting things you haven't done comes maybe originally from Tennyson's uh, Tis Better to Have Loved and Lost than Never to Have Loved (laughs) at All. You're going to go there. I went straight from Butthole Surfers to uh, Alfred Alfred Lord Lord Tennyson. Tennyson. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I'm in. And and my day is made. My day is made. (laughs) I can stop recording now and walk away. Um, Even as I'm saying those words, I sort of regret it because here's me who can properly attribute the butthole surfers talking to you who has a master's degree in poetry about Tennyson. We we Uh, are quite the pair. We are deep in it now. Yeah. Come Uh, along, everyone. And to to listeners, I apologize. My digression digressed some more. (laughs) (laughs) So, So I'm thinking about regretting things I haven't done, and it's easy to think of big things like the one year I turned down the opportunity opportunity to ride the 150K mystery course at D2R2 Mm. because I just didn't feel like doing the work to be ready for it. I just I just sort of lazied it. Um, But, you know, I've done three or four of the other distances at that event. So is that really regret? Maybe, I guess. Wait, wait, wait. What, you, what? So you didn't do the 150 kilometer mystery course. You did which course instead? Well, that year I didn't do any course. Oh, I just well, didn't that's go your regret, that year. Not being at D2R2. I, I guess so. I have done it three or four times. I've done the 180K and the 120K and the, the, the I don't know how all the, and I've gone clockwise and counterclockwise. Like I've kind of done it. How does, I it's mean. It's a great th- Having having gotten lost nine times in a day on that course, following yeah. other similarly inclined knuckleheads, what I mean, I thought I was on a mystery course uh, <laughs> because of the way things were going. At what constitutes the mystery course at what is otherwise a very mysterious event to me? Um, well, they don't give you the route in advance. All the other, all the other, so you're basically signing up for 150Ks of whatever Sandy uh, decides would be funny. <laughs> and D2R2 is one of those events where, like, it will beat the hell out of you. And then when you believe relief is within sight, it'll send you up another godforsaken hill <laughs> that that's, you didn't know. That's unbound. Like, you're heading in toward Emporia and you can see the searchlights in the sky you know, painting yeah. the clouds and you think this is it. I'm on my way into town. All of a sudden you turn right. And now the searchlights are at your seven o'clock. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Cruel. Cruel. It, yes. Um, this also reminds me of the year I did Rasputitsa where they ended it with a cyclocross course up the side of the ski mountain. <laughs> New Englanders. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was, it was, God. Okay. So I was a, anyway, was there, uh, yeah. regret. Yeah, regret. So, um, 
What I actually think uh, these big things are funny and everything. And um, but I can whatever, you know, like one day a year is hard to regret. But I, I what I think is much more insidious is actually all the times I rode past a trailhead and decided I wasn't interested in or didn't have the time to see where it went. Oh, yeah. Yeah. When I think about all those little missed opportunities, then I feel regret. And I realize how much of my riding is kind of programmed, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you you know, like not by anyone else necessarily, but by my own expectations about the ride I'm doing. Mm -hmm. Like, how often am I too set in my idea of a ride to be able to freestyle just that little bit that might unlock all sorts of new magical adventures? Mm hmm. Mm hmm. And I think that actually happens a lot. Like, if you just think about the experience of riding around and the number of times you look over and think, I wonder where that goes. And okay, I do follow them sometimes, mm-hmm. but I have to be in the right frame of mind. And I just wonder, like, I- I've ridden this area that I'm in for uh, three decades. And I've s- the things that I've seen, I've seen a lot. Mm-hmm. And so if I haven't seen it, what would what would be the argument against going to see it? Right. Right. You have every reason to explore it now. I do. I do. Uh I've actually been trying to connect with this guy uh Jace who is the uh he his handle on Instagram is at New England Gravel. <laughs> uh and he rides up on the North Shore of Boston and he's a real explorer. Uh and he's younger and fitter than I am and that gives me pause but oh. um you know, he's out there really looking, really looking for stuff. Mm. Uh, and that excites me. And it, that I was I kind of had that in mind when I was thinking about regretting all these little I mean, even stuff that's fairly close to me that I've ridden pi- past 500 times maybe and thought, eh, I'm sure that <laughs> goes nowhere. I don't know. Maybe there's a cool tree over there. Um, well, you do have the added challenge, though, of like because you've got such a large mental network worked out in your head you know you've Mm. got this you've got this working gps in your head and you see something turn off to the right and because you know what is a quarter mile beyond that or a mile beyond that you're already working through the fact well it can't go very far i mean there is a certain amount of that which can mm, inhibit us yeah there's this play Uh, There's this back and forth play of like, oh, I okay yes, I have a lot of the local area mapped and I do know, oh, that's a side trail. It probably goes just back to that neighborhood. Nothing to see there. It doesn't connect to anything. And because I've spent so much time staring at maps and mapping routes in this area, Mm -hmm. I feel as though I know what combines and how it combines. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But I'm wrong. But I'm wrong. You know, I think those two things work together to sort of disqualify all of these little spurs and loops and other things that you could learn about that are are magic. I mean, I've had I've had rides where I discovered maybe a quarter mile of trail that I didn't know that was magic. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Yep. And since the cost of finding out is, oh, just having to ride your bike. I don't really, you know, this is where the regrets come from. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of the themes of my writing, and I hope my writing, uh, 
writing for the last few years has been a renewed focus on fun over mileage or speed or exploits. And by exploits, I mean like, oh, I did this event. See mm-hmm. how cool I am because I did the, I did a thing <laughs> here. Witness me performing my performing my trickery. Um, yeah, just fun. Just enjoying as much of my time on the bike as I possibly can. And that requires taking things less seriously, taking myself less seriously and opening my mind to new possibilities, uh, which is what every one of those untaken trailheads was. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, I am I am not going to invoke the path less traveled right now because that's just that's just too much. It's uh, fast. It's yes. to New England. It's to there. Yeah. Uh, but I wonder if any of this resonates for you, this like eschewing of opportunities. Yeah, uh, it, it, it absolutely does. And, you know, I've got um, I've got a couple of places that I can, you know, apply this uh, philosophical outlook. <clears throat> the first that comes to mind is. Once I landed the job with Bicycle Guide and I knew I was leaving Northampton for Los Angeles, I began going out and exploring all those little spur trails that I had never checked out. Um, And sometime in the last two or three weeks before I moved away, there was this one trail and was part of this very small network of trails at the very end of my street. Like I pulled out on my driveway, rode 50 yards, crossed the street, and entered this trail network. It was, you know, I don't know, not even one square mile of of trails. Um, and it abutted a quarry so that, you know, you there was just a, a point which you could not pass. So this one trail that I'd noticed any number of times and never taken, it, I knew it couldn't go much of anywhere, you know, as I was mentioning earlier. So I go down this thing and I'm the trails a little hard to follow um, a lot of leaves, but I'm following along and I get to this tree and I, I have to get off my bike because it's a big Oak and I step over the tree and I'm in a kind of a clearing and I'm looking around and I can't tell where the trail goes. And there's this moment of I'm being watched. I, it's a total bugs money. Hey, hey doc, you get the feeling you was being watched And all of a sudden I look up and there's this owl in the tree staring at me like a big barn owl, substantial, you know, talons that could, uh, you know, blood donation. And I'm like, oh, that's very interesting. And then I follow the branch out and suddenly I notice, oh, there's a nest with another owl. Oh, that's mama owl tending to the eggs. And that one that's staring me down ready oh i'm gonna back away now uh <laughs> are you sure this isn't the opening of a c.s lewis novel that you're just reading <laughs> <laughs> but i mean it's you know it's a it's a funny story and you know yeah it's i mean when people say well have you ever been frightened of an animal that's like my go-to story so i've got this great oh, yeah. story out of what was you know 200 yards of trail um i now live in For a those place of you yeah, I was just going to say, for those of you out here, they're thinking uh, to yourself that owls don't won't attack you. You're wrong. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, and and they're 
I mean, they are fascinating animals. Uh, I, I had another owl encounter just a month or so ago. I was riding on a bike path in Memphis and the thing came straight at me and then turned away. It turned away from me like three or four feet in front of me as I was mm. riding along. Utterly silent. Yes, if they I fly silently. Yeah. I mean, just no sound whatsoever, even as its wings were moving. Really trippy. But yeah, now I live in a place where I look around and flipping, there is everything to explore. I don't know how I'm ever going to get a really good working map of this place. There's stuff that I've done once and haven't done again. And I, you know, well, not lately, but, you know, kind of normally I ride all the time, but I get mm. into those routines. Part of it is, yeah. you know, you're going to go out for two hours and you need to do something that's two hours. You know, and if you're going to start exploring, it's helpful to have three or four hours so that you can, you know, mess up or, or something, you know, well, I think, lost. I think, I think at root here, I just need to change the way I do things. Like you say, oh, you go out for two hours and you need this kind of time. Like, I don't need to go out for two hours. Maybe I'll go out for two hours. I think I need to cultivate an attitude where I just leave. I'm just leaving the house. I'm just throwing a leg over the top tube and I'm leaving the house and I don't know what's going to happen. And, uh, you know, maybe there's an animating idea, like I'm going to go to this area, mm -hmm. but I don't I, I don't really I I, I plan too much. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I plan too much and explore too little. And I think sometimes, you know, when I was a kid, I, I used to call up my friends on the telephone and say, hey, you want to go ride bikes? Yeah. Yeah. That was a thing. Yeah. Just, hey, you want to just go ride bikes? Guess what? That's still a thing. It, it's still probably the best thing. I don't um, do enough of that. Yeah, I did it with a friend actually last week. We were, uh, she had said, do you want to get together and have coffee? And I was like, well, I'm about to go for a ride, but I'll stop by. And so I rode over to her place and she was there with a cup of coffee. And I said, do you have more meetings? And she said, no. And I said, well, why aren't we riding bikes then? And she like went up and you know, changed her clothes and grabbed her bike and we went off to the woods and we didn't, we freestyled it. Awesome. Uh, awesome. Yeah, it was totally awesome. It was totally awesome. We tried hard on a couple parts and we just noodled around in other parts. And that's that though. I want, I want a lot more of those rides. Mm, yeah. I've got a friend that I haven't ridden with in some time and that's a problem. And I need to go <clears throat> when I'm really on the bike again and healthy enough for that. Uh, I need to go like, I don't know, put a rope around him, but we will go for rides in Annadale and we will get to an intersection and he'll turn to me and say, well, what do you think about this? And I'm like, just lead, man. Cause he, he explores absolutely everything. He knows all the all in Annadale. And what I need to impress upon him is just do the thing you feel like. And I will tag along. I'm going to I'm going to encounter stuff that I would not have done otherwise trails yeah. that I don't approach from that direction on my own. Um, yeah. and I've been off the bike and out of town and whatnot enough lately that some of my mental map of Annadale is not working so well right now. <laughs> that was yeah. really disconcerting. It's like, yeah. Oh yeah. I remember I was following some friends. Oh yeah. I remember this. Like, wait, how did we get here again? Cause I haven't done this. At all. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, yeah, uh, I'm I'm with you. I I certainly need to be exploring more. Yeah, 
Noodling. Just go noodle. See what happens. Yeah. Works on a road bike, too, I find. Yes. Yes. Uh, And see, my issue here in Sonoma County is I can do I can just go noodle on a road bike, a gravel bike or a mountain bike. Yeah. It's a little overwhelming. We play play both kinds of music here, country and Western. You know, (laughs) you just got to whatever, whatever it takes. Mm. Yes. Right. All righty. We're going to take a break and we will be back in just a minute. This podcast is brought to you by Shimano. I remember getting my first real road bike uh, in the middle 90s. And the guy selling it to me, uh, his main pitch was that of all the bikes in my price range, this was the only one that had Shimano Ultegra components on it. And it was, I guess I wasn't really, I wasn't a, a heavy I was a bike nerd, but I wasn't a gear guy at that point. And so I was kind of, this was my first introduction to the idea that Ultegra was somehow this gold standard in road components. And I kind of, you know, I'm a cynical guy. I'm a skeptical guy. And I, I sort of dismissed that out of hand. And then I rode the other bikes and I was like, oh no, I get exactly what that means. And it, it, it's never stopped meaning that. I've had so many Ultegra bikes uh, since then, and it's it really means something over a period of 25 years or, or whatever. Uh, it's more now. It's more like 30 to have made something that is the gold standard. Um, and so that's part of the reason we're proud to have them as a sponsor for the podcast. Okay, we're back with the Paceline, the podcast on two wheels. What do you got for us today? I got a listener question. Was yeah. this last weekend while I was convalescing? <laughs> it's May, and with it comes the meat of the allergy season for many locals. Uh, actually, many people in many places. Uh, so, Allison, listener Allison, recently moved to Nashville from the West Coast. And among the things that she's having to get used to is suffering allergies like she has never had before. I'm I'm guessing that uh, she was from somewhere southish. Uh, She asked what she needs to be able to do in order not to be a dripping mess on rides. She didn't actually say she was a dripping mess, but that's what has happened to me on a great many occasions. Uh, So I'm just projecting here. Uh, Before I go any further, I'm going to pull out the strangest humble brag you'll hear this week. Guaranteed. So growing up, I was one of the founding patients for the pediatric allergy group in Memphis. All the most allergic kids in our city were sent to three doctors who decided to focus on what was what is uh, a huge environmental issue in the South. Here's the humble brag. I was my doctor once told me this as we were sitting in an examination room. My doctor looked at me and he said, Patrick. You are the third most allergic child in Memphis. <laughs> that should that should go in the other section at the bottom of your resume. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe add it to my bio on the site. Yeah. yeah. So if it pollinated, it could reduce me to the aforementioned dripping mess. Heck, I once got bitten or stung by something and 
I'm not even sure where the bite or sting or whatever happened, but the reaction in my face was so extreme. My whole face swelled until the point that it shut my eyes to get into the physician's office that my mom drove me directly to. I had to prime my lids open with my fingers. Well, I guess we know what photo is accompanying the post for this podcast. (laughs) Go on. Tell us more. (laughs) All this is to say I've got the equivalent of a graduate degree in allergies. So obviously antihistamines are the starting point for environmental allergies. The big three antihistamines on the market in terms of pills are Allegra, Claritin, and Zyrtec. Uh, And they each differ a bit. So uh, in my research, what I've learned is that Zyrtec... Uh, is the and by research I mean I like I I went to various websites and read what had been printed. This was not from uh, YouTube. <laughs> uh, Zyrtec is the best of the bunch for hives, um, though they all do address hay fever. Allegra is completely non-drowsy, while Claritin is minimally drowsy, and Zyrtec definitely has a sedative effect though it's not as bad as Benadryl. Allegra and Zyrtec both start working within an hour, but Claritin takes hours to kick in. If anybody has ever had a doctor tell them, oh, take your antihistamine before you go to bed, that's really only applicable to Claritin. All the others don't take them before you go to bed because they'll be acting for hours while you're not really picking up any big allergens. Uh, Claritin also works for a bit longer than Allegra, um, which is an interesting little detail. There are a few drug interactions with each of the antihistamines, but the big thing to remember is that if you're taking Allegra, take it with water, not fruit juice, and don't eat any antacids while it's in your belly. Both those things will reduce its effectiveness. Um, for anyone whose symptoms are severe, Allergy shots are certainly worth considering, but that, uh, depending on your copay, can get expensive. Um, uh, and honestly, the antihist- uh, the generic versions of the antihistamines in tablet form are pretty stinking cheap. So Allegra is my go-to, and my experience is that it's also the one most effective on pet dander. So if you have pets, it's a handy one that way. <clears throat> and... I did allergy shots for years and years and years, hence my membership in the pediatric allergy group. Uh, And I learned it's really important to go each week. Uh, Missing a dose can throw off your body's response. And it's important to start getting the shots at least a few weeks ahead of when the seasonal allergies begin so that the level of the antihistamine in you from the shots has a chance to build up. Again, taking an Allegra in the morning is a whole lot easier. Um, There's some other options out there, like the nasal spray Flonase. It's a corticosteroid, and kind of like allergy shots, for it to be effective, it does need to be administered regularly, like daily. Um, And it may not do much for the first four or five days that you take it. So if you need help stat, again, Allegra. Another selling point for Allegra is, well, cycling. I mean, who wants to take a drug with a sedative effect prior to riding a bike? Not I, (laughs) said he. Um, 
And, you know, interesting to note, right now in Santa Rosa, we have stuff floating around, these little floating seeds and other pollens and whatnot. Yeah, just floating around in the air. But this stuff is different than the stuff that was floating around in April. Um, But I'm even more allergic to this stuff than that stuff. Um, And so one of the things that I think is helpful to be mindful of is understanding just which things you're allergic to and understanding when their season runs. Um, It's not much fun to think, oh, we're past that now and walk out and get partway into a ride and you are dripping. Mm. Yeah. I feel like I just sat through the um, spells and potions class in Harry Potter. (laughs) Some of the the stuff, I felt like you were saying like, Claritin Zyrtec Allegra, but you know, (laughs) and they're counteracted by antacids and. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Man, it would be just really wonderful to have a spell I could cast on myself for say four hours before going out and like, I'm just immune to everything. Uh, yeah, that would be totally cool. I also think that um, Claritin, Zyrtec, and Allegra might have been characters in the original Flash Gordon movie. <laughs> Allegra was the hot one, right? Yeah, I, I'm yeah, sure. <laughs> sure. Zyrtec was the evil guy, right? He was he was the villain. Yeah. Okay. Clariton was the uh, the Flash's quarterback from back in New York. Uh, sl- sl- uh, uh, Flash's girlfriend. <laughs> I don't know. Okay, we should we should try it's to keep poor. this thing on rails if if possible. Yeah. Yes. So, I, do you have problems with seasonal allergies in the greater Boston area? I I don't um, I don't have allergies, but I can tell you that the the pollen is. St- so thick right now that it it's a problem regardless of an allergic reaction it's like <laughs> like still, washing your car. it's kind of in your throat it's still mm-hmm. gross yeah um it's not a thing that um uh an antihistamine is going to help you with uh it's just everywhere nature's uh, abundance is abundant, abundant. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, something else I'm going to mention, uh, in part due to my paceline pick coming up in just a bit. Uh, for anyone who's planning some travel, I would buy uh, some of the generic Allegra and just have that in your things. Uh, a few years back, I flew to Eugene, Oregon, to do the Oregon Grand Fondo, which. <clears throat> holy cow, what a beautiful ride. What a lovely place. Mm. But it was very late May. Uh, and I think my trip ran into June. And uh, when I got off the plane and was walking up the jetway, before I even entered the airport, I began sneezing. Mm. Um, it turns out that Eugene, it sits right at the edge of the Willamette Valley. And in the Willamette Valley, most of the country's grass that is grown for grass seed to be able to plant sod and sell that is grown in the Willamette Valley. So you've got grass growing very, very tall and fully pollinating, doing its thing. The pollen counts in Eugene in late May are off the charts. I was taking... 24-hour Allegra D every 22 hours. 
it was a lucky thing that I left when I did, because the last day I was there, I had to take it at six o'clock in the morning. I didn't want to have to start taking it, like waking up at four o'clock in the morning to take it. Um, so yeah, traveling with, uh, an antihistamine is pretty good because my, uh, my allergies vary very much based on the place I'm in. My allergies are terrible in Memphis. Uh, they were not at all good in New England. They were nearly non-existent in Southern California, and they are mild here, mostly in Northern California. Uh, and they are hellish in May in Eugene. I expect most of the rest of the year. I don't, I wouldn't have <laughs> trouble there. So hmm. yeah, um, our bodies can vary in what they do. Gratefully, I, this is not a thing I, I think and worry about, but I hope uh, somebody out there learned something today to reduce their personal suffering. Yeah, well, I mean, fortunately, and no, my pick is not Allegra. Okay, let's just get that out of the way. <laughs> but I can say, you know, there is a certain sort of bottom line to this, which is just go buy some generic Allegra. Yeah, I like that. Yeah. Yeah. All righty. Paceline picks. Uh, all right. I was walking my dog the other day. Uh, we're walking along, me and Django, Django and me, uh, when I see an oblong piece of plastic laying in the middle of the road. Uh, if you've walked around the planet Earth recently, then you've probably encountered bits of plastic strewn about. That's not a, that's not a headline story. Uh, they are pretty ubiquitous. But I recognized the distinct shape of a bike thing when I looked at this one. <laughs> so I walked over to it and picked it up. There in my hand was a seemingly unused ass-saver clip-on fender. Oh, oh uh, that sounds like tragedy itself. For someone. Mm -hmm. I looked up the road, then down. Uh, still just Django and me. Me and Django there. Uh, Django didn't want the fender. Um, so I tucked this ass-saver in my back pocket and commenced my strolling. Um, this is the part where I say, I don't like fenders. Um, <laughs> I had a rain bike once upon a time all set up with fenders because that seemed like a sensible thing to do. And it was okay when it was raining and it, uh, but it was heavy and rattly when it wasn't raining and I never wanted to ride it. So I sold it. Um, I have a, a Zephal, an old Zephal clip on fender that mm -hmm. I use occasionally. Uh, it's kind of an awkward thing. Uh, it, it is effective, but it doesn't really go anywhere when I'm not using it. Like it's sort of, hang, it doesn't sit flat and it doesn't feels like it's always falling on the floor in the, in the basement by the bike rack. This ass saver though, this might be the real ticket for me. Uh, it's flat as a piece of paper, mainly mm -hmm. because it's basically a piece of plasticated paper <laughs> Uh, a not very complicated piece of origami. Uh, when I'm not using it, it sits flat on the shelf or slides into a toolbox drawer. Uh, if it's not raining when I leave, I can slip it into a jersey pocket. It doesn't weigh anything. Uh, it's there just in case. Uh, is it a great fender? No, it is not <laughs> a great fender. Is it enough to keep you from looking like you've been incontinent while wearing a Lycra unitard? Yes. Yes. If you are on your way to a store or a family reunion, uh, you will not uh, get there with a skunk stripe up your back. Um, 
Does that have value? I think it does. Oh, uh, unquestionably. And eight, yes. Unquestionably, right? For eight to 10 bucks retail, uh, I actually, it's eight euros, eight euros mm. for this thing. Uh, I know it has value. So that's my pick this week. <laughs> you, you, you could find one while you're out walking your dog. Uh, those ones are free. <laughs> Uh, what what streets would be helpful for having great hope of that? Well, I found mine over on Hillside. You probably, I probably picked the one that is going to be findable there. If you went over on Eastern Ave, though, especially in the rainy part of the spring, I bet, I bet there's there's a crop available. <laughs> well, my pick this week isn't exactly a product again, uh, but that's not to say you can't spend any money on it. I'm going with Northern California. Okay, what? so that makes, <laughs> I am going with Northern California. That may sound rather self-serving, but it's not. In the last couple of weeks in my social media feed, and in particularly like the last 10 days in which I've been in bed an awful lot, my social media feed has been a salmon run of images from events being held between here, Humboldt County, Eureka, uh, Mount Shasta, and Lake Tahoe. And can I just say, good grief, this is a beautiful part of the world. My point is to suggest that people who like to travel for bike events particularly gravel events, might want to put May and June 2023 on their calendars. Someone could conceivably take two weeks off work and hit three different events in Northern California. There are the Bike Monkey events, the Grasshopper Adventure Series, Giro's Grinduro, Super Pro Racing's events, and the events of the Sierra Buttes Trail Stewardships. Uh, like lost and found. Um, I don't favor any one organizer over another. Um, I just say draw a box around next May and June. Uh, it's about a six week period from the first of May to the second or third weekend, uh, in June, you could do a fine, fine event every single weekend. Um, which is to say I've been missing every single <laughs> event. <clears throat> uh, I was going to suggest that not only they draw the box, but they also label it because I, I would draw the box and then within about half an hour, wonder what the box meant, but go on, <laughs> tell us more. <laughs> That's the whole of it. Uh, amazingly. Uh, yeah. I just, there are so many really, really impressive events out here. Um, I'm at least going to be able to be at one. I can't say that I will. Uh, I'm not even sure if I will participate. Uh, I'm going to go to Wente. I will be at Wente. Uh, all I can confirm is the at. Uh, <laughs> I. I don't know. There's still a chance I'll sell my entry and I'll just go there and camp and, you know, heckle friends and, you know, make food for others. I, I don't know. There's worse things to do with your day. Yes, absolutely. Uh, I mean, here's the thing. Wente is such a fine event that even though I will not be an even remotely competitive person there, it's too much fun to miss. Mm. Even if all I do is stand around, I'm going to be at Wente. 
that's how good that it i mean i consider it bike monkeys marquee event more than i consider levi's grand fondo their marquee event um this thing is you could get barrels of monkeys and it wouldn't compare it's like your personal burning man (laughs) no comment (laughs) maybe i should make some art for it there's an idea i think you need a leather and bronze costume of some sort Okay, uh, I I'm going to be on Amazon right after we finish recording. Good luck. <laughs> Someone will need it. Uh, that's a wrap on another episode of the Pace Line. Before we go, I'd like to put in a plug for TCI's other podcasts, Revolting, which is a cycling podcast that is not really about cycling with John and Steve Knievel of All Hail the Black Market and Enter the Deuce, which is even less about cycling but is more about the miracle that is modern medicine. We're hoping that you like them. And if you do, please subscribe on iTunes or Stitcher or wherever you get your podcasts. Send us more questions. Those are fun to deal with. If you got an idea, please drop by the Cycling Independent and put a suggestion in the comments. Or if you're a Facebook friend, just message me. <laughs> that seems to happen a lot. Yeah, um, and you can you can email us as well at mm-hmm. robot at cyclingindependent.com or padrag at uh, cyclingindependent.com just in case you don't want to put your question out in the open. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's what Facebook Messenger is certainly helpful for. Sure. Uh, we hope you've enjoyed this mm, toy boat. We hope you've enjoyed the show. And if you have, please leave us a good review on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. It makes us easier for other listeners to find. Until next week, I'm Patrick Brady with John Lewis. Thanks for listening to The Pace Line.